Jesus has been teaching as we've gone through his life and ministry at this point in parables. And the parables that he's been concentrating on has been parables related to the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. The last few times we've taken a look at, he has compared the kingdom of God to a sower who sowed generously on various types of soils, and Jesus, through those parables, talked about how the result would be based on the various soils, and he uh, explained to his disciples what the parable meant. Then he taught a parable about the father sowing good seed and the enemy sowing tares, and how that God was patient enough to wait to rip out the false produce for fear of taking by mistake one of the genuine. Jesus continues on in his teaching about the kingdom, and it's, it's interesting if we think about it, that the public at Jesus' time as we often state, has a misconception about the kingdom of God because they think as the Messiah comes that the Romans will be pushed out and that they will have their own kingdom and it will be, if you will, a political kingdom. The Pharisees and the Sadducees are concerned because in that type of kingdom they'd have no ruling ability, so they were in opposition to Jesus. Palm Sunday, the people were thinking that here comes the Messiah because that's when he was prophesied to appear, and they were yelling and screaming, Hosanna, son of David. They were waving palm branches. Even during his trial, and the caption on top of the cross was, King of the Jews. Jesus' teaching shows us that his kingdom is not of this world. His kingdom is different and will be started different and will end different and be different. We're going to take a look at the various other parables about the kingdom and we'll start with the mustard seed, which is found in Matthew chapter 13, 31, and 32. The various synoptic gospels has this as well. But we'll use this one. He says, He presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. Notice each of these parables has always been the sower is doing it in his field. And this is the smaller than all other seeds, but when it is full grown, it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Jesus doesn't necessarily give us an explanation of this parable, 
But I think it's reasonably obvious what he's talking about. He's saying that the kingdom of heaven starts out, if you will, almost insignificantly. It's a very small seed. So those who are looking for Rome to be immediately pushed out, he's disabusing them of that idea because he's saying the kingdom of heaven is going to start out so insignificantly that most people wouldn't pay attention to it. It's insignificant. But it is going to grow from that to be significant. It's going to be larger than any of the garden plants. And so much so that it says the birds of the air will come and rest. When Nicodemus, not sorry, when Nebuchadnezzar had his dream, he dreamed about being a tree, if you will, with birds resting. So the concept of the mustard seed growing into a tree shows that it is a kingdom. And the birds resting in its nest shows that it is a place of blessing and benefit and rest. So the kingdom will be secure and the kingdom will be blessed. But it will start out insignificantly. And unfortunately, many people, unless they see immediate results, move on. But Jesus says, don't move on with insignificant results. As a matter of fact, if you take a look, the beginning of the kingdom was what? Jesus and some disciples who had no clue what he was talking about until the resurrection. It starts out small and insignificant and grows. Then he follows that parable up with the following. In verse 33, he spoke another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour until it all was leavened. Now this is a very unusual type of parable for Jesus. Because most of the time, if not almost all the time, except for this type of occasion, leaven is always used as evil. But in this, Jesus uses what's normally used as a symbol for evilness to show something. He's saying that the kingdom of heaven is, and those of you who have ever baked know that if you want something to rise, you have to have a little yeast or a little leaven. Otherwise, it doesn't rise, and it's really hard and dense and doesn't taste as much. But you don't find in that Leaven. You just find the transformed baked good. And Jesus is saying that the kingdom of heaven is transformational. It's different than any other type of kingdom. It doesn't just rule people, it transforms people. Which is sad because all too often in our churches we don't see transformed people. And then it follows up, and all these things Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables, and he did not speak to them without a parable. And this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables, and I will utter things hidden since the foundation of the world. And we have explained why Jesus continued to teach in parables. And then 
in Mark chapter 4, he teaches another parable about a seed. And we find that in verse 26. And he was saying, the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. And he goes to bed at night and he gets up by day and the seed sprouts and grows. How he himself does not know it. The soil produces crops by itself and the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Jesus again doesn't explain this parable, but I'll tell you what I think it says. And that in $3.75 can get you coffee at Starbucks. Is that Jesus is saying that you don't have to have a PhD in theology to know that God is at work. You see, what, you, what the man does is he plants the seed. He doesn't know the biological, biological aspects of how it germinates and how it sets out roots. He just knows that he sees it popping up out of the ground and eventually it matures and produces fruit. And when it's time for harvest, he harvests it. Now in America, most of our farmers get PhDs in farming and all these things, so they understand it. But how much or how little you understand about the seed growing the seed still grows or doesn't grow. You can do some things to encourage it by watering it or whatever, but you don't have to understand. And God is saying the kingdom of heaven will grow and produce, and you don't have to understand it. It's the spirit that brings the production. Which limits our excuses. Well, I don't know enough to be a witness. Well, do you know what happened in your life? Just tell you tell about that. You don't have to talk about Billy Graham's life. Talk about yours. You don't have to have a seminary degree to understand what God is doing in the sense that God is doing something. You may not know all the intricacies of how it works, but you know the Word of God. And the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is like that man who casts seed. It is the spirit that does it. It's the soil that creates the fruit. Our job is to plant and to harvest. Then he's going to change his emphasis on the kingdom of God in these next two parables. We find it back at Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Now, if you read any commentaries on this, generally it's a waste of time. I'll tell you why. Because they talk about, well, back in that day, because there were a lot of uh, invasions and whatever, that pe and there weren't banks, that people would bury things in the ground. And they would talk about, well, is it ethical to find this treasure and then buy it and whatever? It's a story. It's a parable. 
God's not saying whether there is or not people who bury something in the ground. He's saying when somebody finds a treasure, he stumbles on a treasure. He considers that treasure to be so valuable that it's more valuable than everything he has. So he takes everything he has, sells it to buy the land that has the treasure. That's the way the kingdom of heaven ought to be in our lives. That it is more valuable than anything else in our life. Even if we stumble upon it, not looking for it, but we find it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Here's the one difference between this parable and the other parable. This person is looking for a particular pearl. The other guy stumbled upon it. He found it buried. How he found it buried, we don't know. It's not important. Here we see that somebody is seeking value. And when he comes upon it, he sees a pearl that has great value. And again, Jesus is saying, those who seek and find will then sell everything that they have and everything that they are to acquire that pearl. So the question to us is, how valuable to us is being in the kingdom? Most of us, and again, I point the finger one way and three come back at me, so you know, don't think I'm accepting myself. All too often, our value of the kingdom is convenient. If it's convenient, to be a believer, we will. If it's convenient to attend church, we do. If it's convenient to speak about the Lord, we do. Rather than saying, it is worth everything that I have and everything that I am. And I will trade all of that for this. Oh, we love about talk about being a child of God and we usually talk about being a child of God because we think about the prodigal child and how he goes off and messes up and how we go off and mess up. If the prodigal child valued being with the father, he'd have never left. If he valued being in the community, he would have never left. It is sad. That all too many times we disciples, the world cannot tell that we are disciples. Because we have not valued the kingdom above all. We valued it more than certain things. But we were not willing to trade everything that is in our life for it. Now look what it costs 
it says that they sold everything that they possessed and acquired it. In order to acquire this, God sent his son that we might be able to purchase that which is of great value. And talk about not being very business savvy. God says, I'm going to exchange this pearl of great price, this opportunity to be in the kingdom for everything you have. That's like saying, I can buy Microsoft for $1.95. I don't think Bill Gates would be too happy with that exchange. But God is. Because Jesus has more value than all this world put together and then some. And he said, I exchanged that for your ability to be called my child and dwell in the kingdom of God. So Jesus gives us a couple of different types of parables. One to saying that it grows and becomes significant. And you may not know how it happened. But it still grows and becomes significant. I want you to think, if you will, the days immediately after Jesus' resurrection. Peter preaches a sermon. A couple of thousand people are saved. That's not too difficult to understand. Because Jesus died and rose again in Jerusalem. There were a lot of people who saw the resurrected Jesus. So it doesn't take a whole lot of faith in the resurrection of Jesus when you saw Jesus resurrected. And then there are others who perhaps didn't see Jesus, but their spouse or their parent or their brother or their sister or a good friend saw Jesus rose from the dead. And they saw the transformed lives. They go, he must have raised from the dead. And then they believe. And then it goes off into the world. And can you imagine, for instance, in Greece or in Rome or in Asia Minor, which is now Turkey, where they didn't see the physical Jesus. They didn't see his death. They didn't see his resurrection. They didn't talk to him. They didn't have the Bible. And people said, this is the word of God. This is what I saw. This is what I witnessed. And I saw him raised from the dead. And people believed. Never seeing Jesus never having the Scriptures, only the product of the testimony of those who had been transformed. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit. We live in a world today where we keep thinking, well, you just read it in the Scriptures. Quite frankly, a lot of people don't believe in the Scriptures. Oh, there's difficulty. It's so men, so many translations and so whatever. You can't depend on it. Well, instead of getting an argument about them about that, the fact is the Scriptures are reliable. But it is still the Spirit that draws all men unto them. So yeah, you may not know all the Scriptures. The Scriptures weren't even written when the Christian faith started to grow worldwide. 
the growth will happen. But then the question again, do we come to ourselves? What value do you place in it? And unfortunately, that answer is not, oh, I place great value in it, or no, I don't place much value in it. Our answer about that question is, how we conduct our belief. I can say that the kingdom of heaven is the most important thing to me and then spend nine out of 24 hours worried about today. Or I can be so consumed with the problems of this world that I pay little attention to the benefit of dwelling in the kingdom of heaven. And so, the call is not to say, oh, Pastor Joe, you're right, and, 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 and I'm sorry. And the call is not to rededicate your lives or whatever. The call is from this moment on to understand exactly how valuable your placement in the kingdom of heaven is and to value it and not allow anything in this world to sidetrack you from that value. And that's a difficult call. Because it's easy to walk down an aisle and say, you're right, Pastor Joe, I haven't valued the kingdom like I should. I'm going to from now on. And then walk out, and no one knows. Much harder to say, my life not be what I want it to be. And it might not have as much value as I think it ought to. But God offered me an offer I can't refuse. To take my life and what I think is valuable in exchange for that which is eternal, will never rust, will never fade, will never be stolen in heaven for me. And for you. So Jesus teaches in parable, but I think the point is very pointed. And I think you have to be pretty dense not to see his point. So, in a moment, we are going to sing a song Build Your Kingdom Here. And I want us to sing that with two understandings. That our song and our prayer is that God would continue to build His kingdom here. But that God would continue to build His kingdom here. And that we would understand the value 
of that kingdom. And all God's people said, 